0: How you doing today? Can you hear me? Am I on? Am I on? Okay. Can y'all hear me in the back if I talk like this? Ah, there we are. Good. All right. Um, my name is Damien, and I am the lead pastor of Vertical Church Downtown Atlanta. That's how you guess said, Vertical Church Downtown Atlanta. Um, it's an honor to be here Um Pastor Brian is my pastor, and uh, this church has been instrumental in us becoming um, a a successful church plant. So when I come, I am going to be at home. Is that okay? No pretense, just home. We family. I'm going to expose some family business today. For some of you, if you're here and you're like, this is my first time, I don't really do the whole Christian thing, you're going to love this message because I'm calling Christians' names today. Woo! I knew it! Good, yeah, sometimes we we need to deal with ourselves, and today that's what we're talking about. I'm continuing this series on hope, and today's message is titled, Hope, greater than deception hope greater than deception now here's the interesting thing we all have a propensity to be deceived I don't know if you knew that about yourself you're looking shocked I didn't know I thought I was good yeah we all have a propensity to be deceived you know I was thinking recently about all the um big time ministries since the um, the inception of mega church and um, televangelist and all that and we've seen over the past 30 or so years just the fall of so many but I don't believe that many of those guys started out thinking they would end up where they ended they were deceived and if we aren't careful, we can find ourselves in the very same situation. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to launch into this series, uh, well, launch into this message, uh, next part in this series, as we ask God to bless our time. God, thank you so much for this day, for this moment, for this message. God, I thank you even for the messenger because I'm not supposed to be here. not supposed to be here, but you called me to be here. So I'm overwhelmed and I hide behind the cross because I know how screwed up I am and how I don't in my own skills and ability deserve to be sharing anything with anyone. But God, the fact that you can use this hunk of clay and do something with him, God, is a miracle in and of itself. So I give you all the glory. I pray that hearts would be open, minds would be challenged, God, and that we would leave here different than we came in. Because you would alter how we interact with one another and how we see you and how we see your scriptures and just change things, God, starting with me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So hope is a powerful resource in dealing with deception. Now let me talk about um, what biblical hope is. You've heard this if you've been tracking with this series, if you've been watching online. If you haven't, this will be a, a first for you. It's a Biblical Hope is a strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and presence. Biblical hope is a strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and presence. I'll do you one better. Um, Hope is different than faith. Hope is different than faith. I'll tell you how. Faith is when God speaks. And when God speaks... You trust it and you listen to it, and no matter what happens, it's going to happen. Why? Because God said it. Hope is different in that, in hope, you are trusting in God's goodness and the fact that he can, even though he didn't say he would. That makes sense? Hope is trusting God's goodness, and he can, even though he didn't say he would. Now, I am a church planter, and in church planting is all about hope. All you know is God said, do it. You don't know if it's going to be successful. You don't. There's no promise that the church is going to work out and everything's going to go well and you're not going to lose all your money and your family's not going to be on the street. You don't know any of that. All you know is you got a job to do. And every day you're praying, please, God, please, help, please, God, please, don't, please. Every day because there's no guarantees, because God didn't say when he came and said, I need you to go plant this church. He didn't say, and this is going to happen. This is gonna, He didn't give me the whole detail. He didn't give me a syllabus of what's going to happen. And you step out hoping that everything's going to work out. But hope is powerful because it keeps you pushing forward. It keeps you moving in in, in the direction that God has. And even though you can't see it and God didn't say it, it's like I know God's good. And even if things don't work out the way I think they should work out, I know that God is working all things for my good, in spite of the fact that this doesn't feel good. Okay, you may have discovered, I don't know if you know, I'm a black preacher. Some of y'all may not know, I taught last year, and I taught you that when a black preacher comes up, you got to talk back to him. Amen, Amen, right on, that's good. Silence is not an option. Okay? So it's okay to talk back to me. This is an interactive message. If something's too close, just say ouch. All right, so we're jumping in uh, and picking up at 1 Peter 3. 8 through 12. And this was started with Ellis last week and he talked about marriage. Ellis, you remember, he's Paul's favorite church planner. It's okay, I'm Brian's favorite. It's all good. But he did a masterful job of talking about hope in the midst of the marriage relationship and the beauty that marriage relationships reflect Christ and his bride, the church. And we're going to continue that conversation in Peter's Adding a little bit um, to the conversation and he's broadening the border. So we go from marriage and family to the church body and the people that are supposed to make up this amazing group that represent Jesus well. And this is what it says. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender uh, tender heart and humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, when he starts this and he says, okay, all of you have unity of mind, and what he's telling them is, I want all of you to think this way. Be united in this perspective. You may have thought a different way, but now I want you to see it from this perspective. So regardless of how you saw things before, see it this way now, all of you. You got it? Second, and then he says, have sympathy. Now, what is sympathy? Sympathy is compassion for one another. It's compassion for one another. Have sympathy, compassion towards one another. In the family of God, we need to have compassion. Then he says, brotherly love. In the Greek, that word is philadelphos. That's where you get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's the idea that I care about you as if we came from the same womb because we have the same father. And have a tender hearted nature. Be tender hearted. This word is to be merciful. Have plenty of mercy for people in their brokenness and their weakness. Have mercy one to another. Have a humble mind and show humility. Hum- that, the humility is not, woe is me. Humility and low self esteem are not the same. Sometimes we mask um, low self esteem with humility. And we just start trying to look humble. No, what humility says is when I have the opportunity to prefer you over myself, I elevate you. That's true humility. Where I can, but if I have the option, I'm going to elevate you. That's humility. So he's saying have this mind, come at things with this perspective. Then he goes on and tells us that uh, this whole concept of not repaying evil for evil and not reviling for reviling. I'll tell you why it's important to have that mind and not repay because Jesus in John 13, 35 says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus himself taught people will know that you believe what you say you believe if you love one another. And the converse is true. People who don't and aren't a part of the family won't believe that you believe what you say you believe if you can't love one another. I'll give that again. People will believe, people outside the family of God will believe that you believe what you say you believe if you love one another. They won't believe that you believe what you say you believe, if you don't love other people. You know what that says? That we have a responsibility to this world to love one another in a way that they actually believe that we believe what we say we believe. And there's so many people walking around looking for excuses not to love other believers thinking that they got a right to have an attitude with you. And the others looking at them going, yeah, you ain't you ain't even. I don't even believe. And we have a responsibility both to the other believers and the folks looking at us. Here's the hard truth. Get ready. Brace yourself. Are you ready? Sometimes Christians suck. Now see if you're here for the first time and you don't do the church thing, that was your moment to go amen. I don't even like, do you think I don't believe the Bible? Amen to that. I agree. Christians suck. I've been saying it forever. I tweeted it yesterday. (laughs) And that's the truth, but we have a responsibility to other believers and to those looking at us to love each other well. And people won't believe that we're the truth if they don't see love one to another. It's a responsibility we have. And Peter's saying, you can't forget this. You can't lose sight on this. This is vitally important. Jesus taught on this. It is important that we love each other with a compassion and sympathy and a tender heart. We have to be compassionate towards other believers. Sad truth is there's a lot of people that have no problem being compassionate to the poor and the broken. But you say, get along with another Christian and they got a problem. Are you kidding me? You see, it's easy to be deceived into thinking that we're stronger or we're better than we actually are when we don't have the fruit or the evidence of that. So I don't really believe that you are as spiritual as you say you are if you can't get along with another believer. I don't care how much you talk a good game and you're Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. If you could do Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and then cut somebody out, you're right. Don't believe you. But you see, we play those games because we want to look good on the surface. We want everybody to believe that we're the real deal. But the moment you get a chance to show your true colors, you take that opportunity to tell somebody about themselves. And you're supposed to be representing Jesus. Does anybody else see the contradiction in that? You see, but how can we reflect love to the world and we can't reflect love to one another? Like I said, this is a message, hope over deception. Because we can deceive ourselves into thinking we are more mature than we are. But the truth is that our actions... And reactions show the truth. Let me give you a definition for deception. Here's deception. Deception is the practice of misleading somebody else or one's own self. Deception is the practice of misleading somebody else or one's own self. You see, it's easy to treat people the way you're being treated or to respond in kind when you're being responded upon in a poor manner. But he says, look, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. To this you were called, you were called to bless, that you may obtain a blessing. Uh, When I was thinking about this scripture, um, I was telling a story that I've been reluctant to tell, but I've been getting the grace to tell it more and more. As my wife and I were preparing to plant um, the church in downtown Atlanta, we helped start a church here in the city, and uh, our exit was horrible. We really were just not treated well. We were treated poorly on our way out. And our hearts were broken, and our, and our uh, we were kind of wrecked on the inside because people we had loved and served alongside treated us really, really bad. So bad that um, my wife lost her job, we lost our health insurance, and we almost lost our home. We're still getting out of the financial pit we were in. And and allowed to be in by people that we loved. It was heartbreaking. And I may tell you in that moment, in that moment, I so wanted to act New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. Where we kick butt and ask questions later. And I so wanted to show the wrong sides of myself. Okay, I'm the only one that's been there. you sit looking at me like, no, never. Yep. I so wanted to show the wrong sides of myself. And you know what I discovered about myself? Is I was actually more mature than I thought I was. It's a good thing when you realize you're more mature than you think you are. Because everything in me wanted to cut up and act a fool. But the truth of this scripture lived in me and my wife. And we just couldn't respond that way. And we talked bad about, but I just couldn't say anything. I wasn't going to talk back. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to treat you the way you're treating me. I wasn't going to respond to you the way you're responding to me. Why? Because we can't control how other people treat us. But we can control our own responses. Yes, it may be wrong that they treated you the way they treated you, but you can't be them. All you can do is respond well, and there's an expectation from God that if you have him living in you, you will respond well. It's a hard thing when in your mind you're squaring somebody up thinking I could hit you dead in your jaw right. But you know that that's not what you're supposed to do. And you choose the better route. You see, we often want to jump into this eye for an eye philosophy. Oh, you did it to me. I'm about to get you. And I'm going to get you worse than you. Got me. But we forget that Jesus taught us to turn the other cheek. I love how um, Mahatma Gandhi said something that was uh, pretty amazing. He said, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. I love that quote because that's the truth. When all of us are just trying to get people back that got us, you know, you're you getting get one of these rhythms where you try to get back the people that got you and you're getting them back, but then really you become the very thing that you hated in them that they did to you. What Peter is saying is you got to be better than that, you have to be better. Don't just get people back to treat you. You have to live above that. They may be showing what they really believe, but you have to show what you believe. Just because someone treats you bad doesn't give you a right to act bad. It's hard, I know. I told you you could say ouch. But so busy, we play these games and we forget that we're supposed to live at a higher standard. That word bless, that you were called to, that you were called to blessing people. You're called, that word is um, eulogia in the Greek, and it's actually where we get the word eulogy. You're supposed to speak highly of, even though people speak bad on you. But wait a minute, what's going to happen to them? That's none of your business. It's your responsibility to respond in a way that speaks of God because you represent him. And the interesting thing is, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be to your favor and it's always going to feel good. Sometimes you got to grit it and take it and go, okay, this is how I'm supposed to respond even though I want to act out. And then the scripture goes on, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, that's hope. Love life and see good days, that's a hopeful future. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his, le- and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That's that hopeful looking forward. And when you do that, you're careful with how you react and how you respond. And I love how it says pursue peace. Pursue peace. That word peace is um, having, you're caring about the welfare of someone else seeking peace, looking for opportunity to care for somebody else. Do you seek peace or do you always have to be right? Oh, see, last week we talked about marriages, but let me say, look, spouses, when when your spouse comes home, and they didn't do something that they said they were doing. You would both agree that it needed to be done and they were supposed to do it, but they didn't do it. And you saw that they didn't do it. You sit there and you're like, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to give it to you when you get it here because you were supposed to X, Y, and Z. See, that's not seeking peace. That's looking for a fight. Far too often we look for fights and peace only comes when we get our way. That's not pursuing peace. That's not pursuing peace when your way is the only right way. That was an ouch moment. Some of y'all, yeah. Mm -hmm. And others of you, that was your amen time, but they're sitting next to you, so. That's not seeking peace you got to pursue it. you got to go after it. When there's a moment when you can act up, you got to choose the better way. It's a choice. You see, but very often we like to pretend as if people make us respond in a certain way. Well, I had to say that because they said this. Nobody's in charge of you but you. Nobody makes you act a fool. You acted a fool because you were a fool. (laughs) But we give people power that they should not have over us. And then we get even madder because we gave them the power. When we're supposed to respond and live above that, because when we live above that, other people look at us and they see that we believe what we say we believe. We have a responsibility to God, to them, and to the world around us to not get down in the mud with people. I will let you be a jerk if you choose to be. I don't have to be one. And I do have jerk tendencies. But I can choose to live above that. But what I'm saying is in the family of God, we give ourselves opportunities to misbehave, thinking we have a right to be right and we couldn't be more wrong. When the whole time God is looking at us, expecting more from us, and expecting us to pursue peace and to not just give people back because they're given to us and not respond in the way we're being responded to, but to live higher than that standard. And what we do is we condescend and we get down in the muck and the mire and we forget that we're supposed to live at a higher level. And what Peter's saying is look, don't be deceived. You can pretend if you want, but who you really are will show up in those tough times. I tell you what, you may think you're spiritually mature until you have an opportunity to to be spiritually immature. You get a challenge, you get something that really pushes on you. And I don't care what you think, what you believe is what you live and how you respond. So you can talk all the good spiritual language you want. You can quote scripture. But the truth is, if you take that moment to get back, then you really aren't that spiritually mature. You talk a good game. But the proof is in the pudding, as they say. The fruit will speak for itself. Now, this is important. It's important why? Because it says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You see, what Peter is saying is, look, don't worry about the people that treat you bad. and they treat you poorly and they act a fool. Let them do it, why? Because God will deal with them. That is not your responsibility. It is not your responsibility to deal with people. It's God's responsibility. Why? Because he can get them better than you could ever get them. He can deal with them in a way that you can't even understand. It is not your job. See, we often feel like people are getting away with something and God is like, they're not getting away from anything. I see it. And someday we're all going to give an account for what we do. But what we have to do is get out of the judgment business. Okay, that was an amen moment. We got to get out of the judgment business where we feel like it's our responsibility to get somebody right. No, it's our responsibility to act right and to respond right. And we let God deal with them. You see, because I don't want to be... I told you, you live what you believe. I don't want to be the guy that God is standing opposed. I don't want to be the guy that God is standing against. Why? Because really, my actions are showing that I really kind of am evil, because I'm responding to evil with evil, so that's coming out of me. It's, it's erupting from me. So in essence, I'm somebody that God is standing, and it's, it's the image of God right there kind of standing off, like mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. See, I don't want God to be like that with me. I don't want God to stand opposed me. I want him to be for me, not against me. Now, some of you are saying, How dare you think that God could ever be against you? You're a preacher. God would never do that to a preacher i tell you, I was having a conversation with a young lady um, not too long ago, and we were talking about God's grace and the amazing grace of God and how God's grace is bigger than our sin and bigger than our faults and our flaws. And God's grace will always go further and always goes beyond. And I was with her, and I'm like, yes, you're right. God's grace is so amazing, but I think she was missing something. The thing she was missing is that God is not dumb. God's not dumb and he won't be fooled because what we try to do is I got baptized and I said the prayer and I did all the stuff but no, we don't really have a heart change and we try to proclaim that God's grace is over our lives and we think that God's grace gives us the ability to do and say whatever we want whenever we want because God's grace is all over me God is not stupid and God sees all that he knows the very intents of your heart And there are a lot of people who walk around and they've done all the spiritual stuff. They've knocked off all the spiritual checkpoints, but the reality is their heart lights aren't on. How do we know that? Because their actions speak for themselves. Now, I'm not saying that someone's not a believer. That is not my job. But what I'm saying is, is if you can act just any way to other people who say they love Jesus and you can treat them wrong, then you may need to start asking yourself some serious questions. If you can hurt somebody else and just move on and not be convicted in your heart, I'm kind of wondering. Because you live what you actually believe. And look at Galatians 6 and 7. It says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that shall he also reap. God is no fool. And as it pertains to some of us who think we're so spiritual, but our actions are so carnal and we think that we're doing something and we proclaim the grace of God. Well, there's a scripture that scares me half to death, even as a preacher. It says, lest when I preach to others, I myself become a castaway, the apostle says. He, there's an opportunity to where even though I'm sharing with you, if God doesn't do something great in my life and in my heart, I myself can be lost. You know what that says to me? Sometimes we think we're in because God uses us. There's even a scripture that talks about you prophesied in the name, you cast out demons in his name, you did all these mighty things in his name, but depart from me because I never actually knew you. What that means is God may lease you. He uses you for his ultimate glory, but then eventually he just gives you back to your original owner. But we like to play these games and assume that we have a right to act just any way. But I'm telling you, if you can act just any way, then there's probably something wrong in here. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect in it. I'm not saying you're going to always get it right. But your heart should be broken when you let God and other people down. There should be something in you that breaks when you don't live up to the standard. And what I'm saying is in our interactions, I can see how much you love God. Why? Because how can you say God? How can you say you love God that you can't see and you can't love your brother who you actually can see? but you don't understand. You don't know what they did to me. You don't, That doesn't matter. Your reaction is what God is looking for. How are you going to respond to what happened? You can't change them, but what he's trying to do is let you be a shining light even in the midst of some of the horrible circumstances you're going through. I don't want to come and preach to you and then... In all actuality, I'm not his. I got all the signs on the outside, but on the inside, I'm dead. I don't want that. I don't want to deceive myself into thinking I'm further along than I actually am. Once again, this message is a message about hope over deception because we can deceive ourselves into thinking we're more mature than we are but the truth is shown in our actions and reactions. Here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. How we treat others reflects our faith in Christ or the lack thereof. How we treat others reflects our faith in Christ or the lack thereof. We have a responsibility to God, to others who carry the name of Jesus and to those who are considering to treat each other in a manner consistent with our love for Christ. And if we refuse to do it, then we may just be showing the world who our true owner is. You see, the greatest commandment is still in play. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what else? Your neighbor as yourself. You can't say you love God and you don't love people. You can't say you love God and you can't get along with somebody who carries the same name. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ, Ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones he's put together that's supposed to go beyond race and go beyond culture, those who are supposed to literally storm the gates of hell and overcome them. But if we are lost in this worldly foolishness where we feel like we got a right to be right rather than giving other people the win and letting them be the bad ones and just loving them in spite of what they do, if we don't do that, then we may be fooling ourselves. And Peter's trying to tell us, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. This is the way believers live. We can talk about God's grace all you want, but I should see graciousness in your life if you believe in God's grace. I should see graciousness in your interactions if you believe in God's grace. That's the response that comes from God's grace. Today, I just want to challenge you. What are you living? How are you living towards others? Or are you one that's telling people about the good God, but good God, you can't be nice to other people? Because that's how we see if you really believe what you say you believe. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for being with us today and speaking to us, and yeah, this message is tough, but it's true. Guide us, lead us, keep us. Help us be who we say we are and not just deceive ourselves. Because ultimately, you deserve better from us. Other people that are part of the family of God deserve better than that. And those who are considering coming to God deserve better than that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.